0: Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride. You can find all of my work over at MileHighSports.com, where I post and publish pretty much everything that has to do with this Denver Nuggets organization. Um... This is the same Denver Nuggets organization that has now won seven straight games. They just beat the Magic in overtime, 124-118, to and they are just rolling right now. They're looking as good as they have looked since 2013 when they actually ended up winning 57 games. And funny enough, this seven-game winning streak is actually now their longest winning streak since that 2013 season as well. The Nuggets continually keep finding ways to... I guess there's gut out wins when everything seems to be kind of going in the it fi- not in their favor. And tonight was just another example of that. I mean, so many shots for the Magic were falling back and forth that just didn't seem like they were going to be able to get the Nuggets to come back from, especially on the road in the midst of a five game road trip, a season long five game road trip. But the Nuggets found a way to win. Their defense showed up late. Their offense was there for the majority of the game. Their bench unit was strong once again. Jamal. Murray Murray did a very admirable job of filling in for Gary Harris and taking on a lot more responsibilities as really the only lead guard on the Nuggets roster right now. Um, The combination of Jokic and Murray really brought the Nuggets home tonight. Uh, Jokic is apparently back to being a transcendent passer as he has been for the majority of his career. All of his flash and pizzazz as a passer is one hundred percent back on the table right now. And the like I said, the Nuggets bench unit was just huge again. And what the Nuggets have been able to prove to themselves all of a sudden and the rest of the league is that they are not a one-trick pony. This is a team that can win in multiple different ways, and they just throw waves and waves and waves at you of different styles of play that they can really used to hang with any team in the NBA right now. So we're going to get into all of those things, talk about some Twitter questions that came in, talk about this seven-game winning streak, and the fact that five of those games have been on the road. But before we do all of that, let me first give a quick shout-out to the Regulators production crew for putting together the beats that you hear on the intro and outro of this podcast, as well as Terrapin Care Station, who is our sponsor. So before we get into the rest of this podcast, let me give you a quick word from Terrapin Care station. Alright, you have now heard the sweet sounds of the regulars production crew, which means that we are diving back into this podcast. So, let's just start from the top, and I think the most important part of this game is that the Nuggets are finding ways to win that are different from, you know, they're diversifying their win profile and the way that they can accomplish these victories that they are able to grab. So, tonight against The Magic it wasn't their defense for the first three quarters. They were really struggling defensively, and they just weren't quite locked in and but the offense was there and they were humming offensively and they were really finding a groove finally and you're seeing that Nuggets dominance offensively really start to return to the surface once again. So that was a very good sign because the Nuggets have been winning with their defense all year. They weren't able to keep and hold leads with just their offense and their scoring output. But, against the magic, they were able to do just that by the time the game had ended. The nuggets ended up shooting fifty four and a half percent from the i'm sorry fifty four point nine percent from the field fifty seven point nine percent from three point distance had forty three rebounds had thirty four assists on forty five made baskets, and they were just humming i mean all night they were able to get whatever they wanted offensively and it was really good to see that. Portion of their team come back to fruition, but the way they they finished the game, it was a slow it out defensive battle to end the game, and the Nuggets' half-court offense was really able to do just enough to get them over the hump, so even though their offense got them to a point to where they could win the game, it really was their defense that brought them home, that allowed them to connect this together and finally come away with what is now Yeah, their fifth straight road win of the season. That is incredible at this point. The Nuggets are just continually finding ways to gut out wins no matter what. And there were so many just anomalies in this game tonight. Though the Nuggets defense was not as great as it normally is, but for Evan Fournier to go 6 of 10 from 3 tonight was absurd. I mean, it was one of those nights where pretty much any shot that the magic threw up in the first 3 quarters of the game was falling for them it just did not matter they continually found ways to score nikola vucevic was a wrecking crew tonight he was 11 of 19 from the field 24 points and 15 rebounds to go with 4 assists against just one turnover i mean there were so many moments in this game where the magic just found a way to score when they needed to and it wasn't it didn't matter how good the nuggets defense was whether it was last or not they just found a way to score and they continued to find ways to score so the only way the nuggets were going to be able to hang in this game was if they could keep up the offensive output as well and they did exactly that i mean when you get outscored by what was it i mean they they hit they had 27 more points than the nuggets from the three-point line the magic did 27 points and yet the nuggets just continually just chipped away and chipped away and did just enough offensively keep themselves in this game and they drew just an absurd amount of shooting fouls in particular the foul counts themselves weren't really that much of a a disparity the nuggets had 19 fouls while the magic had 23 so there are only four extra foul calls in the in favor of the of the nuggets but the nuggets managed to take 37 free throws tonight the one negative of that was that they missed 14 of them but again the nuggets found ways to stay in this game and they found ways to keep scoring, even when the Magic were hitting seemingly every single three-point shot that they put up. And like I was saying, when all of a sudden the Nuggets defense finally got back into the game in that fourth quarter, that was when the Nuggets basically shut down all opportunity and they began to fall back on what made them great for so long this season so in the fourth quarter and uh, let's do it inversely in the first three quarters the Magic shot 57.4% from the field and 53.3% from three in the fourth quarter and overtime the Magic shot just 29.5% from the field and 21.1% from three the second that fourth quarter flipped over the Nuggets just dug in defensively and that is what allowed them to come away with this victory tonight without that opportunity there's no way that the Nuggets are able to come away with such a big win and it was because they had such a great defensive performance to finish the game no again the Nuggets defense was not good for the majority of the night but when it mattered they showed up and that defense was dominant for the fourth quarter and overtime once again I believe they forced three shot clock violations as well and continually started running off three-point shooters off the line Um, they They probably got a little bit of of an assist being that the Magic were on the second night of a back-to-back, but regardless, I mean, the Nuggets were functioning at a very high level defensively to finish that game, and that was a big part of why they won. And that defensive pressure, it really began with the Nuggets bench unit to start that fourth quarter. To begin that fourth quarter, there was just so much energy from that Nuggets bench unit. Overall, in that fourth quarter, most of the Nuggets bench unit ended up as a negative, and I think that was more of a um, an issue of Michael Malone leaving them in for a bit too long. But overall, I mean, they were lights out when the Nuggets needed them to, and they really amped up the energy for the Nuggets. You could feel that energy percolating throughout the roster from the second that fourth quarter started. Monte Morris hit a floater. Trey Lyles hit a shot. Mason Plumley was all over the floor as only Mason Plumley really does, and they were finally starting to get an, a defensive rhythm back. Like I said, Malone probably kept that bench unit in for a little bit too long, but you can't fault the bench unit in this game. They were such a weapon. I mean, by the time the buzzer had ended, Denver's bench unit had shot 16 of 24 from the field, 4 of 7 from 3, and had 44 points. Even more important, in the overall entire second half and the overtime period combined, every one of the Nuggets bench players was a, was a positive plus-minus. Plumlee was a plus-3 and had 3 points, 4 rebounds, and 2 assists in the second half and overtime. Monte Morris had 9 points, 3 assists, was a plus-7. Malik Beasley, who put the most minutes of any of them and actually closed the game out for the Nuggets, was a plus 12, had 8 points and 4 rebounds. Lyles, 8 points, 2 rebounds and a block, was a plus 7. That bench unit came in and it set the tone for the Nuggets for basically the rest of the game. Without Without that bench unit in the second half, there's no way the Nuggets come away with such a big road victory in the way that they did. But as the Nuggets bench has done all year, they continually find ways to come through when the Nuggets need it most. That is who they have been, that is what they continue to do, and that is what they are going to continue to do because they are just that talented. I mean... This is a bench unit that was mostly made up of Mason Plumlee, Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, and Trey Lyles. That is with Gary Harris and Will Barton injured and Isaiah Thomas still out as well. If the Nuggets get all of those guys back healthy, they're going to have a lot of options of different weapons they can put on the floor at any given time for that bench unit, and it's going to be devastating because the Nuggets absolutely took advantage of the Magic's bench tonight, even though the Magic's bench played well. They had a very good game overall. I mean, Jonathan Isaac was very good tonight. He ended up putting up 11 points, 4 rebounds, 2 assists, and a steal, and a block was a terror on on defense. Terrence Ross, 6-12 from the field, 17 points. Mo Bamba, 11 points on 6 shots, had 6 boards and 2 assists. So they had a good night from the the bench unit, from the Magic, but the Nuggets bench unit was just that much better. And they really took this game over and handled it for the Nuggets when they needed them to. And they gave the Denver Nuggets starters enough breathing room to take at home in that last five-minute stretch when uh, Michael Malone finally got Nikola Jokic back in the game with five minutes left in the fourth. So without that bench unit, again, there is not a way the Nuggets come away with a victory, but yet the bench unit showed up, they played well, and they got the Nuggets home with a win once again. Um, The other player... That has to be mentioned, and the fact that I haven't brought him up yet is only because of a scheduling thing. Because I want to talk about Murray and Jokic next segment, but Jamal Murray's gutsy performance on the road against the Magic was huge. Um, they brought it up in the altitude broadcast that he has that Jamal Murray uh, has been dealing with. Um, a calf injury. Um, He also has been dealing with ankle injuries going back to training camp, and he even rolled his left ankle ankle at one point in this game, but Jamal knew that the Nuggets desperately needed him because Gary Harris is out and Will Barton is out. They don't have other guards that can handle the ball. They don't have other lead guards who can step in and put up big point totals and really set the tone for the game, but (laughs) Jamal Murray came in and did that He played a game, I believe a game high Yeah, a game high 46 minutes Against the Magic He had 31 points on 10 of 25 shooting Only took 3 threes tonight I was very surprised by that He was 2 of 3 from deep Hit 9 of his 11 free throws taken And then had 8 assists against just 1 turnover Um, He was very solid in most aspects of this game there were points where he got a little overzealous with his scoring, but that's something that you have to live live with, with when it comes to Jamal Murray. He is such a lethal and talented scorer. He's going to take shots that seem like bad shots sometimes. It's the same way that Nikola Jokic is such a transcendent passer that sometimes he's just going to have a couple extra turnovers here or there because of the way that he plays. Jamal does that as a scorer, and there were moments where you were like, eh, probably wouldn't have taken that shot, but... He made up for it in so many ways, and that was and specifically as a playmaker and I think the big change for Jamal as a playmaker is actually going to be a lot more about him just not forcing things he's actually being less aggressive as a playmaker, and it's made him more functional in my opinion. Jamal has to be aggressive as a scorer. That has to be his mindset. It is who he is. But now when Jamal breaks down a defense and gets into the paint, the game is slowing down for him in terms of where he should make the decision next. He's no longer just forcing up a bad shot or trying to make the decision in midair. He's making it with the live dribble getting into the paint. And that's why you're seeing him make these good drop passes. That's why you're seeing these very, very nice wraparound passes to get it to open bigs after the the weak side big had come off of, whether it's Nikola Jokic or Mason Plumley to provide weak side help defense. So it seems like he just isn't forcing actions as much as a playmaker and as a creator, and he's really letting those looks come to him. He's not just trying to force it anymore. And it seemed like for so long, he was just so desperate to show that he could be a quote unquote point guard, that he was forcing the action far more than he was actually um You know, letting the offense come to him and taking what the defense gives him. In the past five or six games or so, he's really stopped forcing passes. He's really come into the paint with a plan and he's staying aggressive as a scorer but being very conservative as a playmaker and he's falling back on very specific reads that he feels comfortable making and I think that's one of the biggest points of this is that he feels comfortable making that drop pass in certain situations. He feels comfortable making that wraparound pass once he comes to a complete stop under the rim. He has these, these particular reads that he's good at making but he was having trouble getting to them and now Jamal Murray is able to get to those reads and he's making them at a much more instinctual level and it's led to him being a much much better creator tonight he had eight assists which he's done before but to only have one turnover that was a big deal it shows that he wasn't pressing and wasn't forcing the action he was letting he was taking what the defense gave him and he was being opportunistic as opposed to trying to assert his will on the game as a creator and that's such a big deal because With Gary Harris and Will Barton out, like I said, the Nuggets don't have a lot of creators, and I think that it's unfair of me in particular, because I've been critical of Jamal Murray's play as a point guard as of late, to put this kind of pressure on him because he's had no choice but to play in a role that he was not expected to play. With Will Barton getting hurt in the second game of the season, Will Barton was the de facto point guard of the Nuggets last year. He was the player who took pressure off of Jamal Murray and allowed him to play in more of an off-ball role. Gary Harris took on more of those responsibilities once Will Barton went down, but then Gary Harris goes down. So Jamal Murray has consistently been put into situations that are not advantageous for his skill set. And now that he has to figure out how to fill these different responsibilities and essentially play multiple positions at once and be the hyper, you know, high-volume scoring guard who can also suddenly have eight assists a night, that's a tough transition for a 21-year-old lead guard in the in the Western Conference to make. But he's done a very good job of it. I had to take a step back, especially today after watching him in this game against the Magic, and just realize that this is a guard who has not fully learn the nuances of the point guard position, is in the toughest conferences in basketball, and the toughest division in basketball, and is having to figure this out on the fly without any kind of help or any players on the floor to alleviate some of that perimeter pressure for him, and even with all of that being said, even with all of the things working against him all, even with the injuries that are working against him, he is still coming out, and he is finding ways to put up big numbers and have very strong averages. I mean, he's averaging 17.9 points 4.3 rebounds and 4.9 assists per game playing basically a role that he did not envision playing when he came into the year without much help or uh, you know without a safety valve per se to give him a little bit more of a room to breathe, and he's still finding a way to put up games like 31 points and 8 assists without Will Barton or Gary Harris on the road to keep the Nuggets winning ways going forward. It's been very, very impressive to see what Jamal Murray has been able to do without Will Barton and Gary Harris in the lineup, and he deserves more credit for the play that he has had recently and i wanted to make sure that i took a good chunk of time to specify and really spell out how good he has been and how many things are not working in his favor at this point and how he has not made any excuses has not you know tried to turn away from it and has really accepted the challenge and done a very good job of developing even amidst all this adversity that he is dealing with it wasn't just Jamal Murray, though, that was able to bring this Nuggets team home. The other thing that was able to bring this Nuggets team home was that his synergy with Nikola Jokic in that overtime period, it was, it was really a sight to behold because... Not a lot was working offensively at that point for the Nuggets. They had just turned it into a defensive slugfest, and they were just trying to search for any opportunity to be able to get a little bit of breathing room. And they pushed the game to overtime. And Nikola Jokic and Gary and uh, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray flat out took the game over. Um, in the overtime period, Jamal Murray had seven of the Nuggets' twelve points. He got to the free throw line five times, and then also hit a three pointer. So he had those those seven points, and then four points off of free throws. Nikola Jokic on the other hand had two assists and two points and two boards. Those two assists turned into five points for the Nuggets. A three-pointer for Jamal Murray and a layup for Paul Millsap. So overall, in that Uh, overtime period, Jokic accounted for seven points and Murray scored seven points, which with Paul Millsap's layup added up to the 12 points that the Nuggets scored. And not only that, there was one particular play that was very emblematic of the Nuggets um, budding two-man game between Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray, and it was the three-pointer that eventually ended up being the dagger that allowed the Nuggets to win this game. Nikola Jokic gets. He provides a safety outlet for Jamal Murray, hops out to about the three point line, almost in the corner, but not quite. Then Jamal Murray relocates around Nikola Jokic. Jokic drops the ball to Murray in the corner, right next to Nikola, who then nails the three point shot. That synergy. It takes a special chemistry to be able to know where the other player is going to be at any given point, and at that point, Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic knew exactly what the other was thinking, and it led directly to that massive three that eventually led to the Nuggets' victory. It was very special to watch their chemistry continue to grow right in front of our eyes as they continue to just become more and more dominant as a duo and the Nuggets have such high hopes for this duo and they are consistently being repaid and it's great to see that chemistry not just stagnating but to continue to grow and prosper and become so lethal for this Nuggets team because when both Nikola Jokic and and Jamal Murray are on this Nuggets team is almost unbeatable and that has been the case and was the case against the Magic. It was just great to see and the other thing that was great to see was Nikola Jokic's transcendent power. Passing coming back. It never left, per se, but the flash, the pizzazz, the joy, as Adam Mata, as of Denver Stiffs likes to say, just wasn't quite there at the same level. But especially in these last two games, it probably goes back further than that, probably about five or six games. But especially in these past two games against the Raptors and against the Magic, Jokic just looks. There, he just looks at ease on the court. He looks comfortable. He doesn't look like he's trying to figure anything out. He doesn't look like he's pressing or searching for ways to be productive in ways that he is not used to. He just looks like he is completely back in his element. And he looks happy and he looks comfortable. And again, at ease, just like he's back home again almost. It's almost like when you get back from a long trip and you step back into your room and lay on your bed for the first time, that big, you know, deep inhale and Um, I guess release of breath that that sigh of just the comfort of being back home That's what it looks like Nikola Jokic has on the floor right now He just looks so much happier And it's great to see because now that Nikola Jokic looks like he's happier and he's more comfortable He now has 28 assists in the past two games. He had 13 assists against the Magic He had 15 against the Raptors both games read were on the road and he could have had so many more assists than that. Jokic was whipping passes around like he was Magic Johnson again tonight. He just looked like he could control wherever the ball was going, like he was like, like honestly like there was a magnet between him and the ball or some kind of, you know, unseen connection that allows him to put the ball wherever he wants. He was just so comfortable and just He was the engine for the Nuggets offense, and they looked so good because of it. Yes, I know Nikola Jokic's shot wasn't there again. He was 5 of 13 for only 12 points, but those 13 assists were once again special. He was tied for the highest plus-minus on the team as a plus 10 in 34 minutes, and those 13 assists against one turnover, that speaks for itself. 13 assists against just one turnover. He was incredible, and he was spectacular, and he was fantastic. And to see Jokic back having fun like this again, it makes it fun for all of us as fans or media or anybody who has the pleasure of watching this game. It just makes it that much more enjoyable for everybody. Time for my favorite segment, which is answering questions that come in from listeners and Nuggets fans alike so let's just dive into this with one of the better people on Twitter Colin Daniels um, who is always interacting with all kinds of Denver sports stuff Um, he uh, he said talk to me about the Jokic plumley lineup sharing the floor. So Malone has arbitrarily sprinkled a little bit of Jokic and Plumley together on the floor, whether it's bridging the first and second quarter or whatever it is, Malone has gone out of his way to try and get that lineup sometime together, which I find very very interesting. I did not expect uh Michael Malone to go back to that lineup, but so far It's been pretty good. Um, There's a couple things that it accomplishes, and the one thing that I think is very interesting that it accomplishes is that it allows Paul Millsap to get just a little bit more rest than he is used to getting, because he's not having to bridge the starters with the bench unit. And inversely, it allows Nikola Jokic to get a few more minutes on the floor than he would normally get in the rotation. So getting a little bit of Plumlee-Jokic together, it just allows to have the Nuggets to have their best player on the floor a little bit more, their oldest player to get a little bit more rest, and it just makes a lot of sense. Right now, Paul Millsap is only playing 27 minutes a night, so I think that's probably the big reason that you can look at this and be like, yeah, that makes a lot of sense for the Nuggets. Um, also, in addition to that, I'm trying to get the lineup data up right now, but Plumlee and Jokic together defensively and their very small sample size basically do not allow other teams to even score in any capacity. I mean, they blot out the sun, they're so dominant defensively when they're on the floor together and that's a big reason why it works as well. I mean, you know, everyone knows that Michael Malone is gung-ho about his ability for his team to play defense and when Jokic and Plumlee as a two-man pairing have played 15 minutes together and have a defensive rating of just 44 4.2 that's usually going to be a sign that michael malone is going to like the lineup so i do think that's an interesting aspect of this and the other part that i wanted to talk about is that it gives Nikola Jokic another big man who's athletic that he can use as a weapon at when Jokic is acting as a creator. We've already seen it happen where Jokic has thrown up passes that led directly to lob dunks for Mason Plumlee. And I think that you could see more of that the more that the two of them play together. So I do like it. I don't like it for long periods of time. But... I mean, Michael Malone has said he wants to find Mason Plumley more minutes. He wants to get Paul Millsap more rest, and he wants Nikola Jokic to get more minutes. The way to do that is to have Mason Plumley and Nikola Jokic get a few minutes together here and there to give Paul Millsap a few more minutes on the bench of rest that allows Plumley and Jokic to both share the floor. Um,. Jake West on Twitter asked, "Do the Nuggets accelerate bringing back Isaiah Thomas with a need for another guard?" This was a great question first of all, and something that not many people have brought up, and I think it's something that needs to be addressed. Um first and foremost, no. I do not think that they're going to rush back Isaiah Thomas. I don't think Isaiah Thomas would allow them to try and rush him back. Isaiah Thomas has missed out on millions and millions of dollars because he has rushed back from injuries when he was not prepared to play. Um with that being said though, Isaiah Thomas has said on Twitter that he's close to returning. There's, you know, I guess his quote-unquote target or very loose timetable was always sometime in December, which we are at December 5th, maybe December 6th when you guys listen to this podcast. So it does make sense that somehow Isaiah Thomas could be that guard that returns to give the Nuggets a little bit more breathing room. Uh, the other aspect of this is that we just don't know how severe Gary Harris's injury is. Um, from what I understand, they're still looking at the MRI imaging to f- further, you know, to a better picture as to what the issue is with Gary Harris. All that is known is that Gary Harris's MRI came back positive that there was a hip injury of some kind. It has not come to light what that hip injury necessarily is. Um, although at the same time, the fact that they have not concluded that it could be a long-term injury and have not said that it could be you know, anywhere from four to six weeks or anything like that does bode well for Gary Harris. If it was more severe, there would have been more chatter about it, which means that it likely would have already leaked. But it seems more like the Nuggets are trying to figure out what the situation is with Gary Harris. So in total, no, I do not think the Nuggets will rush back, Isaiah Thomas. But if he is ready to go, they need him back in a bad way. (sighs) Last question. I only did three tonight because I'm on a crunch for time. Got to get these five takeaways written, but... Just Jokely on Twitter asked, I think you said this was a trap game. Did it feel like the team recognized and adjusted to that? I don't think the Nuggets went into this game particularly concerned that it could be a trap game. What I take away from this is that the Nuggets are not taking any games off. They are not resting. They are not trying to have a scenario in which a random loss at a random part of the season in the middle of December ends up coming back to haunt them. This Nuggets team is terrified of that happening and it's really fueled their seven and 7 start they've had on the year so I think it's not that they recognize that this game in particular could be a trap game they've, re- they've recognized that any loss that they have throughout all 82 games can be the loss that ultimately um, disallows them from accomplishing that their go- the goals they have set for themselves so I think that's more of the bigger issue more than anything Thank you so much for sending in Twitter questions. I love getting questions from, from fans and listeners alike and being able to interact with everybody. So make sure to keep looking for that tweet after every game or before I do a podcast asking for questions because I'll get to a few of them at the minimum. Three is usually the lowest end that I usually go with. But I love getting all of the interaction on Twitter. I really appreciate you guys spending time with me and sending in those questions. So, in summary, the Nuggets are now on a 7-game winning streak. This is their longest winning streak since November of 2013. Um, They are on a 5-game road winning streak where they have beaten the Oklahoma City Thunder, Minnesota Timberwolves, Portland Trail Blazers, Toronto Raptors, and the Orlando Magic. Over that 7-game period that they have won all 7 games, they are the best team in basketball in terms of rebounding percentage and assist percentage. They have the 3rd best net rating, and as of right now, the Nuggets are still one of only three teams that are top 10 in both offensive and defensive rating. They are the only team in the Western Conference with the only two other teams that are ahead of them in net rating are both in the top 10 for both offensive and defensive rating in the Milwaukee Bucks and the Toronto Raptors. The Nuggets are killing it. They're flying right now. They are fi- They are confident and now they get to head into Charlotte where Charlotte has suddenly started taking a little bit of a couple steps backwards for the first night of a back-to-back, before traveling to Atlanta to take on the Hawks for the second night of a back-to-back. It is somewhat possible that the Nuggets could go into Charlotte, get a win, take care of the Hawks on the second night of a back-to-back before getting a day off to come home to take on the Grizzlies, the Thunder, the Raptors, and the Mavericks for a four-game homestand. The Nuggets have the chance to begin that four-game homestand with a nine-game winning streak under their belt. If that is the case... The Nuggets would have already put themselves in great position to make the playoffs. They're doing their dirty work early this year, and that is so important for this Nuggets team that has missed the playoffs by just a single game in back-to-back seasons. This is a team that has matured right in front of our eyes, that is using the fuel of their loss from last year and the year before to propel them forward and to keep them focused when things start to become a drag or injuries happen or there's a game where the team doesn't want to get up for it. They no longer are allowing themselves to beat themselves. They are leaving everything out on the court at any given time for every single game. And it's the reason that they are the sole owners of the first seed in the Western Conference with the Clippers lost tonight. That is where the Nuggets have put themselves as the best team in the Western Conference as according to net rating and as according to just their overall win-loss record. They have been that good and they continually find ways to win basketball games in different ways. It's been spectacular to watch this Nuggets team. I can't wait to see what happens down the line. All I know is that I will be here talking into a microphone for the rest of the season, and I appreciate everybody who listens. It means the world to me. Thank you for subscribing on iTunes. Thank you for leaving reviews. The reviews are stacking up quickly, and I really appreciate you guys. Please go leave more reviews. Please go subscribe. Please tell your friends to subscribe. Leave a comment. Reach out to me on Twitter or at my email, which is in my Twitter bio. Again, my Twitter is at TJ McBride. NBA Um, one last time shouts to the regulators production group and Rod Simba for coming up with the beats that you hear on the intro and outro of this podcast thank you to tear and care station for sponsoring the show and keeping us in business everybody that has supported this show and listened to the show interacted with this show told their friends about the show thank you thank you thank you it means the world to me and this is just the start there's a new microphone there's new music it's all sounding better and we're getting closer and closer to having the best possible Denver Nuggets daily podcast that I can give to you guys so thank you so much for supporting and sticking along on this long path And there will be more but until then enjoy the rest of your day enjoy the Nuggets winning ways and have a great rest of your night